Hey, thanks for joining us at the Encounter Church Podcast. Today, we're going to hear from Bob Goff. Bob Goff is a New York Times bestselling author. He's an incredible speaker, thinker, um, just an all-around amazing human being. I could spend the next few minutes just telling you all the incredible ways uh, Bob's life is making a difference. But what I really wanted you to hear today is how Bob's wisdom and guidance and what God has done in his life can help inspire our lives to look different. And so Bob's going to give us a little bit of an overview of a book that he released um, at the middle of last year. And stick around after Bob's talk, because we actually have a few books to give away, and I want to tell you how you can get one. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And everybody, welcome. You didn't know if you'd get here, but here you are. You've arrived. And I'm just looking forward to what the new headline is. Uh, for this year. The headline from the year before, uh, for each of us, it was a little bit different. For some of us, it was isolation. For some of it, it was uncertainty. And so we get to write a new headline this year. And I'm just so glad that we get to do this together. I wanted to talk about a couple things along those lines uh, about the headlines that are in our lives. Um, I wanted to talk about failure, and I wanted to talk about friends, and I wanted to talk about authenticity. So let me tell you about failure, because <laughs> I'm an expert. I should have a PhD in this thing. If, if I, I just have failed over and over again, but I'm really enthusiastic, so it doesn't look like I failed. And for some of you, you've medicated your failure by covering it with a ton of enthusiasm. Some of you have medicated by covering with a ton of denial. <laughs> you know who you are. But what I want to do is do the things that Jesus talked about. And he said, let's cover all this with a ton of grace, uh, that he sees us for who we're turning into. He doesn't see us for all the previous versions of ourselves. He sees who we're becoming. And of all the names he could call us, do you know what he calls you? He calls you beloved. Take your biggest screw up, your biggest embarrassment, your biggest mess up. And just remember that he calls you beloved. And there's something beautiful in that for all of us. I've had a couple of mess ups. I uh, uh, have had a, usually an ambition and it was the ambition that turned into the failure. Uh, I uh, wrote a book called Dream Big. Some of you guys uh, may know of. And, uh, and the, the subtitle for this is Know What You Want, Know Why You Want It, and Decide What You're Going to Do About It. It's kind of another way of saying this idea of love does, that, that love isn't just a bunch of doctrine that you believe. Your faith isn't just a series of accurate doctrinal statements. It's actually what you do with what you believe. Because uh, I've met a couple people that have great doctrine and lousy theology. <laughs> I want to have awesome doctrine and awesome theology. And loving people the way that Jesus did is awesome theology. And so how do we do this? It starts with an ambition. What do you want? Uh, it was the first thing that Jesus asked every blind guy he met. The blind guy would be standing at the gate saying, I'm blind, I'm blind, I'm blind. And Jesus would lean in and say, what do you want? <laughs> it's like, duh. But I don't think Jesus was confused about it. I think he might be asking you for 2021 in a community, which is where he always does his best work. 
in your community, what do you want collectively? And I think what you want as a community is you want to release love. You just want to get it off the chain. Uh, you believe in this big uh, moment with Simon Peter when he says, like, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter says, well, some people say you're a teacher. And actually, Jesus was an awesome teacher. And he said, other people say you're a prophet. And he actually was. He was off the charts in the prophet thing. But then Simon Peter said, I say you're God. And I, and I love that Jesus' next words out of him were this, don't tell anyone. <laughs> All the evangelicals, their minds are blown. Uh, here's the deal. Show people, don't tell people. Uh, tell them the hope within you by showing them the hope that's within you. And to do it with kindness. Second uh, uh, Peter, there, this uh, verse that you're so familiar with, to, uh, uh, to always be ready to make a defense for the hope that's within you. You guys, I was a trial lawyer for 32 years. I know how to be a good advocate, but Jesus doesn't need a lawyer. <laughs> he sure doesn't need you. What he needs is people that'll show the, the hope that's within them, make a defense for that, but, but to do it with kindness and respect. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Old Bob, oh boy, I, I would argue you under the table. I, you'd know if you were arguing with me because I'd be winning. <laughs> and what I'm trying to do now is new Bob, this new creation, I'm trying to release love. I'm trying to let it off when somebody's flat wrong, I don't feel like I, I'm the guy that needs to straighten him out. Here's the deal. I'm not an umpire calling balls and strikes. I, I, I'm actually a base coach telling people you run your race. Does that sound like Paul? Just run your race. The race that God's put before you. And what I do is go full Apostle Paul in it. I check everything against scripture. Matthew 25, it said that, that my problem with you is that you don't know scripture. So you haven't experienced the power of God. And I guess of my hope for me, for you, that we would know scripture. So when somebody says something lame, we'd know why it was lame. <laughs> But you don't need to straighten them out because otherwise you'll be on the phone with me every day. I say lame things all the time. I'll probably say three lame things while we're talking today. But I don't need somebody to correct me all the time. I need somebody to love me. What we don't need is more information. What we need is more compassionate people who believe so much in the power of Jesus Christ. The, the end of that story with Simon Peter is this following the don't tell anybody. It says flesh and blood doesn't reveal this stuff to you, but the spirit of God will. And I just have so much hope and confidence that the spirit of God will see past all my flummoxes and all of the, the ways I've just kind of fumbled the ball. And, and it'll actually whisper over my ear and maybe over your shoulder, the word beloved. And if you could hear the word beloved, then maybe you'd go a little bit easier on people. I'll tell you, uh, this coming Saturday, uh, there's going to be a bride somewhere that's praying for sunshine. And there's going to be a farmer who's praying for rain. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that God doesn't like uh, the bride. If, uh, if there's a couple drops of rain, it just means he's doing something different in someone else's life than he happens to be doing in their life. And so that has given me a little bit of encouragement to take a breath, chill out. And when I don't understand somebody, to understand God might be doing something different in their life than he's doing in my life. And that's the way, the way of love, knowing what you want. And I just want to be a safe place. 
I want to be a place where people could come. But to be a safe place, you need to be authentic. And uh, because I'm a, a, a very uh, enthusiastic guy, sometimes I let that get in the way of my authenticity. And the headline for 2021 I want for Bob Goff is Bob gets more real. Bob doesn't need to get more enthusiastic. <laughs> I'm not, I got enthusiasm. I'm like ripped. If enthusiasm was push-ups, I'd be Schwarzenegger, uh, but uh, probably not all the conduct. But what I would do is I would say, I want to be a guy that's very present in the moment and I'm very aware of what I want. When I was in junior high school, my ambition was to get a date. <laughs> I wanted a date in the worst way. Never happened. I got into high school. I wanted a date. Four years of high school, no date. Can you believe that with a face like this? I got into college. I managed to sneak five years of college into five years of college. No date. I was in my second year of law school and sweet Maria Goff walked in the room and I'm like, yes, you will be mine. I I'm picking out names for our kids and I didn't even know her name. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I realized right away is that she didn't want to go out on a date with me. I knew this because I asked her and she said no. But I heard she was going up to this Young Life camp. She was going to bring 10 high school girls with her and be the leader of these girls. And so when I found out that, I got 10 high school guys because I wanted to get in her blast radius. I just figured out if, if she knew of me, she would eventually like me. <laughs> It was the first night of camp and there was an elderly woman and she had a pacemaker that stopped working. She face plants in the spaghetti. She's gone. And I mean, like not, she is nearer to God. And, and so I knew how to do CPR. So for the next 30 minutes, I am pumping on her chest and blowing into her wrinkled lips and she didn't die. <laughs> And I think Maria thought this guy is not much to look at, but he could be useful in a crack. And so fast forward 34 years, that camp went up for sale and we bought it. <laughs> I'm sitting at it right now. And I, I now I got the girl. I figured out what I want. We made a couple kids to go along with the names I had picked. And uh, at this camp we got, COVID hits right after we get it. I've got an empty 60,000 square foot camp on 300 acres. <laughs> we are losing so much money. It's unnatural. But here, there's a deal. Next to the camp is a field. And in the field is a barn. And next to the barn is a horse racing track. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know anything about horses. My only interaction was with a fiberglass horse in front of the grocery store. I put in a nickel and we rocked back and forth a little bit. Uh, but I thought, I'm going to get that field. I'm going to get that barn. I'm going to get that racetrack. I got what was adjacent to me. I knew what I was looking for. And maybe you can relate to that. If what you have an ambition to do is to release love into your community, what you've had is a couple of failures that have happened along the way, look for what's adjacent. So what we did, we got the, the barn, the track, the things, and we are now training racehorses. I kid you not. I still don't know anything about horses. I don't know what end to put the hay in, but, but we got somebody who was better at it than me which is anybody. <laughs> this guy's like five feet tall and he used to be a jockey, but he trains horses. 
get this, we have 25 racehorses that are training over there and all, lots of little people that are riding the horses and making them go fast. And we are losing our shirt on the camp and we are making bank on the horses. <laughs> The last two horses that arrived, they put them on chartered cargo jets in France, flew them over the pole and landed in San Diego. I'm like, do I go to baggage claim to pick them up? I'm like, that's my horse. Well, here's the deal. I, I, I just can't have any of these horse die uh, because they cost more than my net worth. And so I told people, if that horse like breaks a leg, don't shoot it, shoot me. Um, one of the things that I'm learning is about adjacency, where there might have been something that felt like a failure. It was a job, it was a date, it was a, a promotion that you wanted, it was an ambition, it was a nonprofit you wanted to start, it was a good work that you feel like God uniquely gave you and it just cratered. What I want you to do is to say, what's adjacent? What is it that flesh and blood couldn't reveal to me, but maybe the power of God could? Maybe that it was impossible for me to do, but it was actually possible for God to do. And I'll tell you, let's start with Matthew 5. Love your enemies. <laughs> no pointing. Like There's some difficult people out there. You know what? You're one of them. <laughs> this is an intervention. Uh, and so one of the things that it's going to take, if we're really going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, what we need to do is just get real with the difficulty of, uh, of the people around us and the little quirky things that make us kind of difficult too. I want to just get real with that. And what I want to do is make this the year that we really come alive in our faith. Uh, I've learned a couple things uh, about this. I had three friends come down. We only got three nice horses there. Uh, but there was three friends and me, so that was four. So I just got on one of these racehorses. I thought, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Answer, everything. I got on this horse briefly. It started bucking and running while I was bucking, and it threw me off. Fortunately, I landed on my head, and everybody ran up, and they're like, Bob, are you okay? Because this horse, it's like, think of like Trojan horse. It's like 20 feet tall. It's a big horse. And I landed on my head, and I sprang to my feet, and I said, of course I'm okay, laughing. And I must have been bleeding from my eyes and ears. And I knew I was lying. They knew I was lying. And it made me pause and think, why didn't I feel like I could tell the truth? And here's the thing, it wasn't pride. I just didn't wanna be a buzzkill. I didn't wanna be the one guy that wrecked everybody's fun. And here's the collision of your faith and earth. If you wanna be faithful to the gospel of Jesus, you're gonna get misunderstood. And you need to decide, can I be authentic in the middle of the misunderstanding? It's going to be authenticity that's going to be the key to you understanding your failures and to you releasing your love into the community. If I had just been a little bit more mature in my faith and to say, hey, listen, you guys, I just got my bell rung. <laughs> I don't even know what month it is. I don't even know who I am most of the time. But hey, just give me a moment to collect my thoughts. That kind of authenticity is going to create intimacy. It's going to create it in the church. It's going to create it in your community. Uh, don't feel like you need to be Jesus's lawyer. If you don't know the answer to something, say, hey, let me get back to you on that. But we're not there to just parrot a bunch of opinions because here's the deal. I don't want people to meet my opinion. I want them to meet Jesus Christ. 
And the way that they're going to meet that is in your authenticity to say like, well, that didn't go the way I expected. <laughs> that, that's how every uh, 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 thing that I've tried had just kind of failed. What you want you to do is think of surrounding yourself with a couple trustworthy voices, not like the ones that were surrounding Job, like curse God and die. No, no, actually trustworthy voices, people that won't tell you what to do. They'll remind you who you are. Here's the deal on the last day of your life. Uh, you got room around your hospital bed or the field you lay in for about eight people, uh, nine if they're thin. And I've tried to find the eight people who are going to be around my bedside on my last day here. And I'm trying to surround my life with them right now. I want you to do the same. Start cultivating them. I find your eight. Everybody I meet, I feel like they're just applying for the job. <laughs> Just thinking, I wonder if the person I'm meeting right now might be one of my eight. And I'll tell you, if you deal with people with authenticity and that kind of expectation and anticipation, you'll do what Paul talked about Timothy doing. He said it's Philippians 2.20, and I'm a Bible verse guy. If you read one of my verses, books, you are never going to find a Bible verse. You know why? I'm writing my books for the guy at the tire store. I figure the people that already know Jesus, they know what I'm talking about. If they're interested enough, they'll find the scriptures. But my uh, books, my copy of it, totally annotated. Every time I say something, my version has the copy of page and verse where that verse says it's true because I'm taking God at his word. I've taken Paul when he says, check it against scripture. I'm doing that. So if Jesus comes back to check my work, I may have gotten it wrong, but like this is what I was aiming for. So one of the attributes of the eight that'll be around my bed is that they love God. They actually love his word. They're trying to do that. They're actually people that have cultivated the kind of authenticity that escapes me sometimes. And add them to your, your list of people one at a time. Why don't you do this? Go to Starbucks together, make them pay and say, we're going to have three minutes of authenticity. I don't care what my faith looks like for the next three minutes. Let's just talk about it the way it is. I don't care what it looks like in my family. Let's just talk about the way it is. I don't care what it looks like with my finances. Pretty much everything with an F. Faith, family, finances, fun, philanthropy, if you misspell it. Like, but I want you to go through that list and just say, let me get real with you. And then I want you to switch it and have them give you three minutes of authenticity. And the only rules are this. You can't try to fix each other. Don't say, I know exactly what you mean, because you don't. Uh, don't say it's okay, because it's not. That was a lot of pain speaking. Don't say it's going to get better. Don't say something that sounds like it came off a Hallmark card. Just take it. And I'm telling you, you may have found one of your eight. You may have become one of their eight. Think of this. Most people will go years, if not decades, without even having that kind of three-minute conversation. You want to be Jesus Christ in this church? Uh, you want to be Jesus Christ in the community that you're in? Go do it three minutes at a time. Take a genuine interest in the people around you. There was a guy named Greg Murtha who uh, I had met one time and hadn't seen him again. Uh, there were some people back in Washington, D.C. that were actually in a dispute with one another, <laughs> which is actually everybody. Um, but they asked if I would come and help them sort out their stuff. And there was a guy with a plane. I said, like, hey, if, if it's on your plane, I'm in. <laughs> 
And about the third time I went, we were, I thought we were going to land at Dulles and the plane turned and it landed at this air base in Virginia. I'm like, what the heck? You guys, it's this black op space. It's where they put the creepy spy cameras in the planes. <laughs> I'm like, who are you people? And the guy said, you want me to blow your mind? I'm like, buddy, I've got nothing left. Uh, and he opens up this great big hangar. Inside is the original Air Force One. I'm not kidding. And he's rebuilding it just because he can. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, you got too much cash. Well, one of the things that we were doing, we were sitting around a table and these guys are arguing. And the guy next to me pulls out his phone and he elbows me. He shows me the message and it says this, do you know who Bob Goff is? <laughs> Like, that's awesome. And he texts back. He says, Bob is sitting right next to me. You know who it was? It was Greg Murtha. Greg had gotten cancer. He'd been through 100 rounds of chemotherapy. He was literally on his deathbed. And my friend texted him back to say, Bob's sitting next to me. And 30 seconds later, there's another text from Greg. And he says, will you ask Bob if he'll write the forward to my book? And, and my friend explained Greg's circumstance and people, there's only one answer to that. <laughs> if you say no, I think a trap door opens up and you go straight to Hades. Well, I, I wrote back, I said, I would be so honored to write the forward to your book. And the next day, Greg started his dance with Jesus. And, uh, you know, here's the deal, because I'd only met Greg one time for the next 30 days, I called up all the people that had done life with Greg. And to the last person, do you know what they said? Greg was a guy who took a genuine interest in the people around him. Boy, I'm telling you, be that person three minutes at a time. Find your eight. Be one of the eight. Do it with authenticity. <clears throat> Let your love off the leash in your community. Do it when somebody's flat wrong, respond with kindness and respect. Not, uh, yeah, they're going to find out it's going to be not flesh and blood. It isn't going to be me and you, but it'll be the spirit of God. I'm not saying go light on doctrine. I'm saying go big on Jesus. And if you do that, not only will they be changed, you'll be changed. And there's something beautiful. Know your ambition, why you're doing what you're doing. There's a woman who uh, was in the uh, World War II. She had two sons that were serving and they were in the front lines and they would write to her about what it was like to be in the front lines. And they would give at the time the ammo boxes to keep the ammo dry. They would take the box, they would wrap it in paper and they would dip the whole thing in, in wax. And the problem was this, they couldn't get at the ammo they needed to fight the fights they were in. This woman worked for Johnson & Johnson and she came up with this invention to keep the ammo dry as, so that her sons could fight the fights they were in. She knew why she was doing what she was doing. And, and she went to her boss with this invention and probably because he's a guy, he said, no, nah, it's a stupid idea. But she knew why she was doing what she was doing. She wanted to give her sons the ability to fight the fights they were in. And so she sent this invention to the president of the United States, Roosevelt at the time. He sent it to the Pentagon and get this, that's how duct tape was invented. I am not kidding you. It was a person who knew what they wanted and they were willing to do whatever it took to get her sons what they needed to fight the fights they were in. What if we did that in our community? What, what we need is people who are just willing to lean in. I want our resting position to be leaning forward. 
I want your elbows on your knees to say, tell me about that. What can I do to help? What's my piece of the action? As soon as we get some skin in the game like that, you know what's going to happen? They won't see the Holy Spirit fill this room, but there's going to be two or more of you. And you're just going to be leaning forward to say, how can I help you? Showing a genuine interest. And you're putting behind yourself all the failures, all the horses you ran, you fell off of, and you're living in anticipation. When we told everybody that we'd got a, a big field with a barn and a racetrack, a woman called me up and she said, I heard you got this barn. Do you want to have a horse? I'm like, well, of course I want a horse. <laughs> not only does it run, but it would be cool. And I, not knowing anything about horses, she dropped it off the next day. It was brown. It had a black tail. That's all I knew about it. It was a big horse, um, but it just ate grass evidently. And uh it came time to start breeding these horses because now we're around horses a lot. And so they said, why don't you check? That's a good looking horse. Why don't you check the lineage of that horse so you can find who, what stallion would be a good match for this and they could maybe make some fast horses. So I said, awesome. So I did a little research, get this. She gave me the great granddaughter of Secretariat. I am not kidding you. <laughs> I called her up. I'm like, did you know you gave me just the royalty? Like, I, I, I can give you your horse back if you want. You know what she said? I wanted to surprise you. Isn't that awesome? She didn't say a word. That's why we do what we do. We just want to dazzle God. We don't want to do him. And he's not impressed by having us put our return address on everything that we do. If you make a big deal about it, what scripture says is you'll get a little golf clap from a corner somewhere. But if you make it a secret, you'll be talking about that forever. And I, what I want to do is to dazzle people. The way that this woman heard about something I was doing and wanted to surprise and dazzle me, I want to dazzle heaven. You know that God, our, our faith informs us that God knows everything that's happened everything that's happening now and everything that's ever going to happen. That's that idea of being omnipotent. He just knows it all. But here's the deal. The angels don't. The angels only know what God tells them, right? He says, tell Mary she's going to be a mom. <laughs> Wait for a surprised look. Like, I want the angels leaning over the rails, talking about me and you, and just wondering what we're going to do next with our faith. And I think they're hoping this, that we'll do it with kindness, that we'll do it with gentleness, we'll do it with self-control. These things we call the fruits of the spirit, that we'll, we'll do these things with a ton of intention, knowing what we want, knowing why we want it. And so knowing why we want it is a good place to pause for a moment too. Uh, I, was, I teach at a Pepperdine Law School. Can you imagine me teaching at a top tier law school? <laughs> I was like, everybody passes the bar. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. I've been teaching there for a decade and a half. And uh, it's right on the coast in uh, Malibu, California. And there's a car in front of me, with this Ferrari in the tops down. The license plate says Amish. <laughs> I'm either backslidden or in a hurry. And one of the things that we have that's going for all of us, Paul described it's in Romans 7. He says, I just keep doing what I don't want to do. And then I don't do what I do want to do. Does that sound familiar? If it doesn't sound familiar, you are unaware. 
<laughs> we live these incredibly conflicted lives. And this is not a surprise to God. It's just evidence of our desperate need for a savior, for somebody that can say, I I'm going to help you sort that out. I'm going to actually make you a new creation. I'm going to take old Bob and all of his pridefulness and insecurity and all that. And then I'm going to form that with the power of the Holy Spirit into new Bob. And then I'm going to release new Bob into these new things, knowing he'll be filled with wonder. He can end up with secretariat. He can end up with an empty camp, but a full bard. Now, I just, I don't think God is waiting for us to, to agree or approve his plans for our lives. I think what he's doing is he just loves seeing us start. Zechariah 4, don't despise small beginnings because the Lord delights in seeing the work begin. Could you make 2021 the year that you just delight with him in seeing the work begin in your life? If you're married, have it begin in your marriage. If you're dating somebody, have it evidence itself in your dating relationships. If you're working at a school, honor the people that are around you. If you're uh, at home and creating a beautiful environment for the people, have your head on a swivel. If you're a part of a home and somebody's created a beautiful environment for you, say these words, thank you. <laughs> have them flow often. And it's that kind of grateful heart that will cause us to end up at the feet of Jesus over and over again. My hope for us is that we'd be able to uncover the why do we do with it? Because if, if what you want is a Porsche, uh, ask the question, why? If it's because you're insecure, that's fine. Go get two of them if you want, but realize this is what's driving that. Or if you want a pony, like realize what's driving. It could be a good thing, but I want you to say, what's the thing underneath the thing? I uh, live with sweet Marie and this dog we don't want on the bay in San Diego. And I was out on the dock and on the surface, it just sprung to life. There must've been a million little minnows all like thrashing around on the surface. And I was just, it was sunset. It was such an epic sight. I was just delighting. And then I thought, you know what? I bet there's a big fish underneath that's chasing them shallow. And what I think when I think of this idea of knowing why we're doing what we're doing, I want us to say, if we have a behavior that's kind of peculiar, if you're doing something to kind of medicate some fears or insecurities of yourself, say, where did that come from? Uh, I'm a, I get super lonely. Nobody would guess that because I'm a super upbeat guy. I'm like, whatever. But I get, just get super lonely. And so uh, what I do is I've just told my eight that I get lonely. And so what I do, wherever I am, I just go home. Uh, so I could be in Orlando. I, I just fly home at, at night. And then I'll go the next morning, I'll leave for Nashville. And then I'll fly home. I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I want us to be that focused when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our relationships. Let the people that you love know your intentions. My intention is to lead us with uh, strength and vulnerability and humility. I want to be courageous and strong, but I also want to uh, not hide my weakness behind a bunch of uh, trappings. And if you get what I'm talking about, it's finding the thing underneath the thing. And that is what will make an awesome headline this year for you. You guys, I know we needed to land the plane. I just want you to know I am so privileged to be talking to you guys and to be having these conversations around the questions of uh, what do you want? 
Why do you want it? What are you going to do about it? And because faith guides my steps and probably guides yours, I, what I want is to be a deeper, more authentic reflection. I'm not trying to be a better version of me. I'm trying to be a more authentic version or reflection of who Jesus was. And what that's going to take is a little self-disclosure. It's going to take a little self-awareness to say, hey, what's a thing underneath the thing? If I'm, I, 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 before I went to counseling, I thought the name Trigger was the name of the Lone Ranger's horse. But there are these triggers that are causing you to do uh, some things that are not the best version of you. So make this the year that you uncover that. Find that with a friend in three minutes to say, here's this thing. I'm not looking for advice. I'm looking for eight people. You guys, God bless you. God keep you. Uh, thank you uh, for letting me be a part of this. And I am always with you. I'm just, we are together even when we're not. All right. So long, you guys. Hey, I hope you enjoyed Bob. He's probably one of the most enthusiastic people I've ever met. Um, he's also probably one of the most impactful people I've ever met. Um, the way that Bob has impacted people from all around the world is nothing short of amazing. I'm really grateful for Bob and that um, Bob wrote a book in the middle of last year called Dream Big. And in that book, he outlines how he has paved the steps he's taken in his life to experience what God has done. And in Dream Big, you find a very practical, helpful guide for experiencing that life filled with better decisions and fewer regrets. Now, we have a few copies we want to give away. And if you're interested in reading Bob Goff's new book and you would like one for free, just go to EncounterChurch.com forward slash dream. EncounterChurch.com forward slash dream. We have about 30 copies to give away, and the first 30 people will get a free copy. So I look forward to reading with you and in 2021, seeing God do immeasurably more in and through our lives. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week. God bless.